0: Hello and welcome to the Whole Equestrian Podcast, where we're bridging the gap between riding and wellness, discussing topics related to mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. Our mission is to promote health and happiness through our love of horses. I am Dr. Tyler Held, a certified mental performance consultant with my doctorate in sport and performance psychology i am a semi-retired professional five-star groom a purple belts in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, a gym owner, lifelong learner, adventure seeker, and all of the other things that I fit into this busy and wonderful life. I'm um, also a podcaster, obviously. So um, if you are a longtime listener of the show, you know that this podcast is also hosted by Emily Hamill, five-star event rider. And while Emily has been very busy with her wonderful new farm in Aiken, South Carolina. Um, I have sort of taken the opportunity to have a lot more guests on the podcast, which has been super uh, fun for me, and I hope it's been just as fun for you guys, Um, and so this... uh, episode is with Davina Warner. Um, She is a three-star rider herself and she's a massage therapist and um, I believe she'll tell the story in the episode as well but she actually saw my car which has the whole equestrian logo on it um, at Kentucky this year which is how she found me and I really enjoyed this conversation because Davina has just like such a interesting perspective of how our body can affect how our horses go. Um, I am going to preface by saying that I had a very bad sinus infection while we recorded this, so um, I'm still recovering from it now a little bit, but a little bit of brain fog and a little bit of congestion that you might hear in my voice, but I still think that there's a lot uh, to be said about taking away from this episode, and um, Davina talks about an app at the end called The Outstanding Equestrian, and The Outstanding Equestrian is also a podcast that you can find on Spotify as well um, that she had me on as a guest too and I really enjoyed my conversation with her so I'm going to send you guys there to check that out as well. So without further ado I'm gonna go to the recording, um, let Davina take it away and explain herself better than I can and I hope you guys enjoy
1: Okay. Well, I am so happy to be here. My name is Davina Warner and I am an equestrian athlete and a sports massage therapist. And I love to work on riders and bring those two industries together in fitness in health and mobility.
0: That I'm so excited uh, to talk to you because I feel like we've had uh, people on the podcast before that have, uh, some horse knowledge, some human knowledge, and to have someone that has sort of both modalities and both understanding, um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to jumping into it. So before we get into like what you're doing now, can you take me back in how you got into horses and like, you know, what's your origin story?
1: Yeah. So I actually started in horses. So when I was a little baby, um, like when I was four, I got my first horse. My mom is a racetrack trainer. So she would break like wild racetrack horses at the farm and I got to ride them and take the good ones after (laughs) that were safe enough for kids. So I got my first horse when I was four. And then I got my first pony when I was six and he was a demon and my mom was hoping I would quit. And I never did. (laughs) So that was my equestrian journey. I went to my first horse trials. I did mostly Western sports as a kid. I learned to go to cattle penning and roping and healing. And I was a cutting horse trainer for a while in my teenage years. Then I went to my first horse trials at Millerville Racetrack in near Calgary, Alberta. And I went and I just groomed for my mom. And she entered, I think she entered training level and she had never done a horse trials and we had no idea what we were doing. And her horse just roared around and we had the basics of horsemanship and, and we had so much fun. And I was like, mom, I think I've been born to do this sport. (laughs) So then I started taking my pony to horse trials and simultaneously throughout my kind of childhood and my my general aptitude. I grew up in a big family and we were all very close. And I always had an interest in bodies and how they moved and flexibility. You know, like I wanted to be a gymnast for a while. And so I just always had this interest. My parents kept telling me, you should be a physiotherapist. You should be a massage therapist. And I was like, I don't know what that is. That's weird, mom. And then when I was about 18, I found like a massage school that was offering distance learning called MH Vickers in Edmonton. And I was like, Oh, maybe I could do something like this. And I started getting trained in massage therapy and in massage, you start with uh, like an overall uh, massage training, and then you can branch into what you want to do. So if someone goes prenatal or, like mostly in hospitals or sports. So I graduated and went straight into sports massage therapy. And I was able to mentor with our best sport massage therapist in all of Canada. His name is Kip Petch, and he has been to every Olympics with the Canadian team since 1976. Wow. Yes. That's awesome. It was an incredible opportunity. He took a little liking to me. He thought I was, like, very good. And I've I've never had another thing, like, that is the same as riding that I had a natural aptitude for. And uh, that was just, you know, the evidence. I, you know, I just kept working and people were getting such huge results. So I did that in Alberta as my primary work for seven years. Okay. And simultaneously I was riding, but I really didn't know how to like bring my FEI rider caliber up at all because in Alberta, eventing is pretty small and it's really fun, but it's mostly about camping. It's not really about competing well. (laughs) (laughs) So in 2016, I moved to Ontario to train with Jessica Phoenix and I took it really seriously. And I kind of went from there and I got a couple really great horses, um, started doing a little bit more sales on my own and that kind of thing. And then I started kind of getting back into helping people with their bodies because in Ontario, we have a different system in Ontario and Alberta. So, you know, I didn't automatically go there at the beginning. Yep. And I really like was drawn back to bringing, you know, I kind of leveled up the one, leveled up the other, and then brought them together in the last couple years. And I've seen like an extraordinary satisfaction in everybody that I'm working with, but also myself, like this is really what I love to do.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And I feel like it's so cool to have two things that sort of blend into each other, right? Like yeah. to have... The, oh, so the massage side of it and the horse massage, sorry, horse side of it and have those two things be different, but also how they can feed off of each other. And that's, uh, Emily and I always have other interests going on outside of the horses that sort of level up at the same time, just with interest and passion. Do you work with a lot of equestrian riders, uh, in sports massage?
1: Almost only riders. Okay. Okay. Like, I pretty much only work on riders. And it's been so fulfilling because, even for example, I, I went and taught a lesson on two, like one rider on two horses. We recognized some body things she needed help with already. And then, so I taught her two lessons with my horse training experience. And then, brought my table and worked on her body afterwards. And then we repeated that a couple of times to like actually improve. She was really struggling with her one hip being able to come forward. And so I could recognize that from the ground, knowing my anatomy background. And then I was literally able to help her almost immediately with fixing it and making that improvement. And I just love being able to be a good resource because I find like riders, they don't want to take care of themselves partially because, you know, we're a bit stubborn and we want to put the horse first, but also partially like we don't know who to talk to. And it's kind of intimidating to talk to someone outside of horses because we think they're not going to understand. And in some ways they don't understand, but that's why I love filling this role of like when you tell me, you know, my horse is currently laying on the left side And I'm like, okay, so here's some things we can make for adjustments in both the horse and rider and understanding that that might be a, like, there's a time for that. Like if they're weak and they're coming out of an injury, you just have to deal with that. So, you know, like it's other people are going to be like, oh, well, you're sore. So stop riding. I've been told that by physios or, oh, well, that hurts, you know, your body. So don't, don't ride. Don't do that with your body. I'm like, well, I can't i have to like that's how we ride so finding those things to really like give space for people to feel comfortable has brought a whole new like avenue for them to actually get treatment without you know being scared of it
0: yeah i cannot Tell you how much I, that resonates with me, and I agree with it. And obviously, uh, I'm not so much of a rider as I do jujitsu and other sports. But like, I will not go to the PT down the street for me. I drive 40 minutes to go to a PT that does jujitsu because the treatment and the understanding that I get from that person of, hey. This is what happened to me in training. I have a competition in three weeks. I need to know if I can work through this or if I shouldn't. And I feel like, you know, the PT right next to you is going to say, oh, don't do it. Right. (laughs) Don't don't you're you're in pain. Just stop. And we are a going culture. And I think there's something to be said about that uh, from a wellness perspective of sometimes maybe we should give ourselves the rest, but there are so many things that we just have to work through and we need to work through and having that mutual understanding that says, Hey, I'm, you know, supposed to go prelim next week and this is jacked up or, you know, this is, yep. this is happening. How can you help me? How can you support me? And, and that's just so cool to me.
1: Yeah, like for example, I was, you know, I met someone at a horse show early to tape their ankle because uh, you know, they're struggling halfway through an injury and walking the course on the undulation is the worst part for them in the Saddle Day. I feel okay. So I'm, you know, I'm like taping ankles and, you know, making it possible for them and giving them avenues where it is possible. And I find that accomplishes two things. First of all, that's what I would want done. And secondly, when I do say, you need to stop and not do that. It's really important. They take me seriously and they know where the line is, you know? So I'm like, do not re-injure that. You will really regret it. And then they know how we can change it. Or like, you need to not go to the show this weekend. It's just a horse trials. We need another few days to fix this problem before you go to your FEI, which is more important. And having someone who understands that is like, It's just honestly getting people on the treatment table because they won't go unless you have an understanding.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And then you ignore something and it becomes way worse than it could have been if you just had it looked at right away. Right. I does so many. sort. I was just talking to someone earlier that was like, oh, yeah, my trainer had a bunch of knee pain and just ignored, ignored, ignored. And now they had to get a knee replacement it's like well what what happens if you just go in and you treat these things when they come up and uh you know for you to have that understanding as well as a rider like how do you think that's changed the way that you ride yourself and how has that awareness of bodies and muscles and biomechanics like how do you think that has evolved you as a rider Oh, it's evolved me
1: so well. I would say one of my greatest skills as a rider and a horse trainer is I can make a horse more sound than it was before. Like, honestly, I have such a great track record for this. And it's simply because of ergonomics. I sit on a horse and I just think about it like I would think of my human body and I make my human body as best as I can as far as straightness, strength and mobility on each side. So and so we do the same as the horses. So to explain it for the listeners, we have we have mobility, which is your ability to move through a motion on your own. We have flexibility, which is the ability to move, you know, something passively. So when I move my finger, that's flexibility. Okay. But when I move my finger with my own muscles, that's mobility. Okay. And then we have strength, which is an easy one to imagine. That's the power in the muscle. And if the muscle is tight, it cannot be strong. Yep. And, and, or you have injury in the other places. And then of course we have stability, which is your ability to hold strength without being moved. And we need all of those in riding for the, both the horse and the rider. So for example, when we're doing a collected canter, this is a mostly a stability exercise. So this is like If you want to improve your collected canter, you go for a stability exercise outside of the saddle, for example, plank, or like a motion in plank. So moving your legs inside of plank will mimic the skills you need inside the collected canter. And the horse is doing the same thing. They're propelling their, their whole center, stabilizing it, and their legs are moving, you know? And uh, so that's just one example of how I can help people um, kind of see where they need to go, simplify it for them. That's like another thing that's really helped me. Like you said, it's changed me as a person. I've been able to just, I have so much information in my brain in this subject, but it's useless unless you can simplify it for people to understand how it could be used for them today. And so I've been working hard at doing that and being pretty successful at it.
0: Yeah, I love that. And like along those lines, I feel like uh, so part of the work that I do as a sport and performance psychologist is talk about like focus points. And there's a lot that I do in terms of body stuff because riders that are dealing with fear will get into like really bad physical habits, right? You, you know, the Mm. turtling up or, you know, something, something very physical. And so I kind of work through the mental side of that. I'd be curious to hear if you have any like physical side, uh, for, you know, like maybe just response patterns that our body get into. That's hard to break that habit. I love this question. I, <laughs> I didn't expect you to have this question,
1: but I love it. Oh, I got goosebumps. I'm so excited because um, I feel like a little bit of a crazy person. Honestly, when I talk to some clients, I'm like, it's not very spooky, but like, also it's a little spooky and you have to listen to me because I think that different areas of the body hold different emotions Yes, based on people that I've worked on. So I've worked on whatever thousands and thousands of Bodies, Like I've put my hands on and been working on thousands of bodies. And so my own little mental pole has told me, be- and also men and women hold their emotions in different places. So when I reach an area of the body that has a particular, and it, there's a different feel, like I'm, you know, again, with the spookiness, but like I can feel with my hands what kind of tension an area of the body has. I can tell if it's stress. I can tell if it's workout. I can tell if it's injury just by feeling and, uh, experience, I guess. So if I find an area, you know, like say I, you know, I go to go over left, lower back. And I just feel like that's, um, it's not from, you know, deadlifting the other day crooked. It's not from, you know, um, getting jarred in the saddle or something, those, those feel different. Um, but it's from something else that's a little deeper and emotional. I will say, because uh, in sports massage, you do have to have, I would actually like to get more psychology training. Cause you have to have enough of a base because you're talking to these poor athletes and you better not say the wrong thing. Right. <laughs> you know, but I'll like put my hand over and just be like, so like, um, Essentially, I will try to start a conversation about what they need to let go because the lower back on a woman in particular holds the emotion of grief. And they they want to like they want to try and hold it instead of letting it go. Yeah. So I'll try to like start a conversation to see if they can let go. And it's incredible what the body can do. So sometimes just talking about it, they're like, oh, I just So worried about the weekend or it can be something very surface level or it can be like something really deep that comes out that you did not expect. And then all of a sudden the tissues in the body will just whoosh, like they change and they move. And then um, I just find that like freaking fascinating and also so rewarding when you're able to facilitate, I guess, is what like you're you're there to be the support system for someone like that. Yeah, And then in riders, I've actually noticed some consistency too. Like I've noticed some, uh, some particular areas in riding that we hold. Um, I can go through those if you're interested. Oh,
0: absolutely. Yeah. This is my prediction. Yeah. 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 So like
1: fear of fear of injury um, almost always comes up in the arms. Yes.
0: Yep. Shoulders, right? That's literally mm-hmm. all, all of my clients are like, I get so tense in my shoulders and arms. Yeah.
1: But fear is, I, I wouldn't, yeah, like fear is too broad. It's like fear of injury. Like they're yep. actually scared they're going to die. Yes.
0: Yes. Um, mm-hmm.
1: Whereas if they're scared of failing, they they it's all in their hips. Interesting. And like particularly hip flexors and they cannot sit the trot. If they're yeah. scared of failing, they won't be able to sit the trot yeah, it's just like it's the weirdest stat, but I'm like, this is I like I almost need to start a list um because I'm finding these consistencies with riding that is so interesting. yeah. And then um probably another one is just uh when a rider starts to get migraine headaches or neck issues uh-huh. oftentimes, obviously that's associated with potentially past injuries as well. but. Ones that are more consistent, you know, like they, it's like, it comes up because of, of um, overwhelm, right? You know, it's that particular fear of, I won't be able to handle the amount of things that are in my life. Yep. And uh, so those are just some consistencies that are really rider specific. Yeah. Like they're not outside of riding.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's honestly like when you said like fear of uh injury or fear of, of I'm going to die, like so many times it's it's arm and shoulder cues that I work with those riders on because you think of cantering up to a big solid cross country fence, like you have to be able to let go. And when you've had an injury, when you've had a fall, when that fear is there, like the, the tension starts and the tightness starts and the arms just get locked up and being yeah. able to have the physical support from someone like you on the backside of it is so important because again, like awareness is one thing. Being able to actually implement the change is completely different. And like, it's like, okay, yeah, I know I'm tight here, but how do I let go of this tightness? Okay, maybe you need massage therapy from someone that understands it.
1: Yeah, and it goes both ways. Sometimes cognitively people want to let go and they might even be aware of it. Like many writers are so spiritually aware of themselves. They're like, I need to let go. I I want to let go. And like up here, they, they're into it, but their bodies won't do it unless they get help. So yep. it goes both ways. Sometimes it's like, you know, you help their body and then they go back because their mind is kind of off the is not in alignment with what I just did with their body. But a lot of times it's like riders are really willing. Once you get their trust, you know, they're really willing and they'll let you help, help them, but their bodies are really stuck, uh, because of actually how hard we work our bodies. (laughs) That is the legit thing. And then also like, they've just been stuck with that for a little while and they need help out of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and with uh with how hard we work our bodies, obviously we kind of talked about like some of those tension patterns, but do you feel like there's anything else with equestrians that differs from the general population, um, you know, potentially the injuries we deal with or anything that like just consistently comes up in our community?
1: Yes, and I would love to talk about this. Let's talk about uh common injuries, yep, and also common weaknesses or strengths because okay that's kind of a really good category because we can fix that and we don't have the same injuries um so injuries i would say ankle head injuries and um shoulder injuries from la- like same as actually so i've worked i've worked with soccer volleyball lacrosse hockey and um rugby okay those are like sport I mean I've worked with a lot more sports than that but those are the top ones. Yep. So some of them are a little bit similar but riders in particular have more ankle injuries because we have only stability in our ankle. Like they we just jam it into place. It doesn't do a lot of action. And so it's not unless you're strengthening that outside the saddle, you're very vulnerable to ankle injuries as a rider. And so we have a very, very developed soleus calf muscle, which is the one underneath your gastroc, which is, you know, crosses the knee because we're always having our knee bent. Right. So riders usually have a thick lower calf compared to other athletes because we're not jumping. And so that explosive strength also we have zero. Unless you do that. that. Like nobody, no rider can jump off the ground more than an inch. unless they're practicing, which I, i diligently practice this in my own. Like I do the sad work of just teaching my body to jump because you don't do that in the saddle. You just stay stable. Right. Right. So we risk a little injury if we don't like catch up to that. And then, um, surprisingly we have less groin injury because that's a really big area of strength. So I mean, you can still have a groin injury if you really get wrenched or you get thrown or you get landed on some special way. But actually, I would say eight out of 10 times a rider gets landed on, they don't have a groin injury really? because their groin is so stable and strong. But we do have repetitive strain in the psoas and the groin from constantly, you know, using it and maybe not mobilizing it or stretching it essentially. Yeah. And then we see more shoulder injuries from falling on the shoulder. Cause that's like kind of the only place that we've, you know, fall or on your head. So that's kind of the only place, but that's a little bit similar to some of the tumbling boards as well. Um, but those are the ones that I've seen the most. And then, yeah. uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, uh, how do you like deal it? it or approach a rider that's maybe going through an injury versus one that's healthy, quote unquote.
1: (laughs) I have yet to find a rider that doesn't need help. (laughs) (laughs) Honest, honest. Um, Something I would really love to talk about is working in barns. So what I've been doing lately is going into a barn and working on a bunch of the people there. Okay, And so I work on like the trainer and then all of their students, people in the barn. And it's so much fun. You find great things. Like one barn will have no, everybody is good in, you know, one area. So the trainer is almost doing a great job of training those people to be riding in a, in a, in a way that's a little more harmonious. And then you go into another barn and everybody's locked up in the hips. And almost every time, you get down to the trainer and the trainer is like that. Not because they're intentionally, but because people learn by watching. And so they watch that trainer be rigid in this way. And then they actually try to do that because they're trying to be like the, the best one in the barn. Right. But as a whole, the trainer of the barn is the best body. And it's the same with the horses, the horse that's the best jumper has the best natural flat work. Right. Like it's always the case. Yep. You cannot, you cannot be the best if you can't go do things the same on the left as on the right. Yeah. So that's always been the case there. And then, um, so like every rider has a little bit of something, but the trainers or the top ones or the ones that are most successful have the least amount of things. Um, And the probably the biggest thing I've noticed is mindset. The, the riders with the most positive and um, just like forward thinking mindset have the best bodies. Even if they have tension here or there, it's not a permanent restriction. And the riders that are struggling most in their bodies have the most mindset blockages.
0: Yeah, it's, I, I would 100% agree with that. I talk about so much physical stuff in my practice and sports psychology, because I'm like, where are you holding your tension? Like that's affecting your, your ride and anxiety. Uh, we actually call it somatic anxiety and oh my God, I'm like going to blank on it now because I'm talking about it and I have like a little bit of a head cold. Um, but somatic anxiety is the one in the body. And then cognitive, cognitive anxiety is like, Hey, I'm actually thinking about it. So I'm thinking about the things that are bad. And then I actually feel it differently in my body. And so when you have anxiety, fear, you know, sometimes I use these words interchangeably when I have a worry going into my horse And it presents with sweaty palms or my heart racing. That is a physical cascade of everything else that you're talking about as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've started to help some of my clients in the warm-up. Almost like, yeah, like a physical psychology support human. (laughs) Yeah. Because I'm... Sometimes, some riders, I've been telling them about only what to do with their horse and body. Like, oh, it needs to be straighter, right hind is lagging. You know, like, I'll only say that, those things, because um, I know that that's what's going to get the job done. Yep. But really, what I'm talking to is their mindset. You know, like, that's what I'm trying to get at. And then others, I'm like you know, wait here. Oh, it's nothing. It's so boring, boring horse show. You know, like I'll talk about something totally different or distract them and that kind of thing. But I'm always recognizing, okay, like they're still struggling to get their left shoulder back. We need to do that clinically, you know, for the next treatment. You know, I kind of take this assessment or like their horse is not doing, you know, the change quite as clear to this direction. Could that be like, you know, right rib cage in the, in the person. And for the most part, like, yes, horses are crooked and they can get crooked, but I've been really finding the straighter the rider, the more we find less crap was happening in the horse and more of it was a a joint effort.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. And like I kind of sum it up by saying like the whole equestrian, right? Like there's so many pieces yeah. that go into it that, that, mm-hmm. that all affects people think like, oh, I'm just going to go and take more lessons and work harder. And it's going to be all well and good. But if you can't break down these layers, you're not going to be able to make that progress.
1: Yeah. So yes, that kind of uh, reminded me to make sure I talk about how I how I got connected with you. Yeah, is I yeah. saw your car at uh, the Kentucky horse park when I was working there doing this therapy with some of the four-star riders.
0: So that was really, really cool. I love it. Yeah. Cause I was kind, I was funny when I drove to Kentucky this year, I'm like, I wonder if we'll get any new listeners of our podcast uh, with my car here. And then I was like, ah, I'm kind of parked in the barn area. General public maybe is not going to see me as much. And I was so, uh, so pleased when I got your message.
1: Yes, I'm, that was a brilliant idea. And I was I love the name for the exact reason why we're talking like all of these agreement points. I just can't talk about enough. I feel like it just if we talk about it more and more, people will know about it. But it, it was so fun to work at Kentucky horse park. I wouldn't mind talking about it for a second.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to hear about it.
1: Yeah, I got invited there from a couple riders I was working with in Florida and then they were like, are you coming to Kentucky? And I was like, uh, I'll make a way because I was so motivated by their their love for what I was doing for them. So in Florida, you know, on the weekly, we're working more clinically on their bodies and, you know pretty much it's like, yeah, what I'm doing with them on the table, but also the advice I'm giving for the remedial exercise is probably a big portion of it too. And then once we get to horse show day, then we're looking at warming up our bodies correctly. Yep. So I do that usually manually and we had such a sweet setup at the horse park. We actually set up way at the back in a horse trailer Wow. and uh, which was like for non-horsy people they're probably horrified but like I love working with horsey people I'm just like playing out the back of the horse trailer but it was a quiet space and yep. these athletes came in I actually have a few athletes like I'm just so grateful for this tiny bit of psychology training I I got to have through sports massage to recognize where an athlete's at you know they come at you they're ready for their treatment and then you can kind of gauge oh they're freaking out right so I need like respond accordingly or they are super distracted or, you know, those kinds of things. And so one of, one of my clients, we actually started, I, Oh, that was what it was. She came out of the bathrooms at a show before the horse park. Okay. Um. So there was like a show that we went to and she was like, Oh, they're playing such like beautiful classical music in there. I wish they would just like play that over the loudspeaker. And you could tell she's like having, worry about the show and she's like groping around for uh like a zen moment and so i just played like random classical music in on my phone in the back of a horse trailer in my pocket and the body of that rider came into its full potential in like the course of an hour we got physically out anything that she had you know had restricting her but she just got that moment and it's not that she's coming out of focus she just had this moment to just be like almost like she had the option to just rest or be in visualization for the giant courses she was about to attack yeah and it worked incredibly like she went out there it was difficult it was hairy at the horse park this year, like it is every year. Yep. And uh, she just like had her body, had her back. She she had all the motions she needed and she had all the emotions she needed. And I was just, I was like, it just, it was so fulfilling to me to be able to recognize that. And uh, if you're getting nervous at a horse show, you might need that like massage treatment for your mentality as well as your body before you go in yeah and uh so like consider that like people can be more open to a different way of doing things to prepare themselves don't just like swing your leg over and expect you to have your best drive
0: yeah no and uh, like Mm -hmm. having a good pre-performance routine like being able to have something like that of, you know, I'm just going to go completely relax my body. I have a a lot of progression, muscle relaxation exercises that I have people do, but like this is actually forcing you into the moment and forcing you into your body, which I think is such a benefit to anyone.
1: Yeah, I really did a good job. It was so much fun to be there because of the caliber as well. These riders are so dedicated to their bodies. They're aware of their bodies. Their bodies are in great condition. They work hard at all the things they're doing. It's just a really rewarding place to be pouring my knowledge and attention into. I loved it.
0: Yeah. I love it too. And I like that you're kind of like touching on a lot of the things that like we normally talk about on the podcast, right? Like mindset is a piece of what you do. Fitness is a piece of what you do. Um, I'd be curious, do you ever touch on the like nutrition and community pieces of uh, sort of the whole equestrian formula in your daily life and practice?
1: Yes, I'm like, if you're around me for five minutes, then people start asking me, do you eat that? Can we go to this place? <laughs> and I most of the time the answer is no. <laughs> like uh, I just don't, I really, really strict with my own nutrition because it's so valuable. Like, I went from being so my own personal body story is that yep. I was fat, I was super overweight in my 20s, I was sore. I was pretty happy actually, but I just had no idea why I was sore. Every time I walked by a mirror, I'd be like, why is there a fat person in the mirror? I just don't understand. And I so I just like I was so uncomfortable. I had like um arthritis in my joints, like all of these things. So I learned all of my nutrition and body help through having to lose 65 pounds and become like very strong and able. Like I'm impressed at myself now I'm 32 years old and every single year I get more sound. I feel better. I don't have any issues. Like at one point in my twenties, I was only able to eat grapes. I had so many ulcers. Wow. Okay. For two weeks, all I could eat was grapes. I was like, you know, just like very, I was struggling. So un- unfortunately, that happened, but also fortunately, it made me go get the information I have now. So then, when people come to me, they're like, you know, oh, I'm just, you know, I just can't can't understand why I'm so sore and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, how much water did you drink today? You know, like I I usually start with these kind of very basic questions, and then we move on. And the people who are willing to receive me get, I I kid you not, like thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of information that I went and had to go search for. Yep. One of my clients who, you know, mm-hmm. she had um, a rotation or a, she had a horse go over backwards on her and, and shattered her pelvis. And she has had a lot of rehab. She was told she wasn't walking again, all of this stuff. Well, she just, she just did her first weightlifting with me the other day.
0: That's so cool. That's how far
1: we've come with her. And she's listened to me every step of the way on nutritionally, how to heal those bones better, faster, and stronger. And so she's gotten so much information, but sometimes it's just about like, I've had plenty of people come in there just like, I drank enough water today. Like half my problems are gone. I'm like, I know like drink water go for a walk every day I promise you, I will, I will promise you your life will be better. (laughs) Yeah. So I definitely, I, I should, I don't know. It's kind of self-education is such a glorious thing right now. Um, I don't know if it's worth it for me to get some sort of certification in nutrition, but it interests me to the like highest degree. So I I love putting that through. Um yeah, like I mean, not very many people are interested in what their mitochondria
0: are doing, but I am. Well <laughs> <laughs> you're speaking to like nerdy Tyler here. I'm I, speaking your language. Yeah, excellent. definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Because So uh there's actually, there's a joke in, in like high level, like education and stuff. And we say most research starts as me search. And yes. it's literally like, that was me. I got into sports psychology because I was curious about it for myself. I have a similar story uh, to your nutrition of, I got diagnosed with celiac disease when I was 20 and I had to learn how much my gut affected my brain and attention and anxiety and depression and everything like that and so all of these things that we've gotten into and that emily and i are very passionate about have really been from this is a problem let me go yeah. find the information to solve the problem exactly
1: there oh go. yeah i mean gut health is so important and um like as far as for bodies for muscles if we keep it like kind of simple that way um like some of the biggest deficiencies I see in people, number one is magnesium. Number yep. two is vitamin D. Um, and then number three is protein. Most yep. riders are not eating enough protein. Like we will go get a sandwich with so much disgusting North American grains in it that are don't have any nutritional value. And what we really should be eating is like steak three times a week. Like that would really also, you know, kind of a, a challenge to make your your uh your life better if you could only pick those water and walking you know like if you just integrated having a real meal at the end of the day every single day that might really make a change.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think of, you know, working in Jenny's barn, the working students would come in and they would drink Dr. Pepper and eat like potato chips all day. And I I and like mac and cheese. Yeah. I'm like, how are you functioning? But then I look back to me before I got diagnosed with celiac disease. And I was like, oh yeah, like I was pretty much the same way. It's it kind of takes that health crisis to get a lot of people's attention. It does.
1: I know. I'm really grateful in the end that I like, you know, had to find that, but uh, it's not fun in the moment. That's for sure when you're not feeling good. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, um, tell me about uh the outstanding equestrian. I noticed that on your Ooh. website and I like, just could not wait to talk about it. So I want you to sort of fill the listeners and fill me in and I'll ask any questions I see fit.
1: So the Outstanding Equestrian is an app that okay. I developed.
0: Very cool. And,
1: yeah. And it has horse training on there and exercises for it's really the same avenue as everything that's me, like the straighter, the sounder, the better your horse goes. So that's really where uh, the horse training is surrounded around. Yep. I love thoroughbreds. So I'm working on a thoroughbred restarting program that I want to put in there. And then there's a whole other section where I put, uh, all of the exercises. So for example, you come in for a treatment for a massage. Yep. Like you come in, you tell me about your riding, you tell me about your activity. My first questions are how much water did you drink? What do you do outside the saddle? And then they're like, what? I got to exercise outside the saddle <laughs> and I'm like yeah like what do you do outside the saddle and sometimes they try to like trip through and be like oh yeah I have hobbies and I cook dead sometimes and they <laughs> you know but and then sometimes you get some people who are really great like they're like oh I box once a week or you know they have some really quite great cross training yeah in there Um, And then I work on the body and I do like an assessment on the body. Sometimes I do some uh, like orthopedic tests beforehand to see range of motion and that kind of thing. Then I work on their body, then I get them up and then you can usually see a huge difference in the whole person. And then I go through the exercise, the remedial exercises that they need to um, be doing in order to like align themselves into this new neutral or normal that's like for them. And then I, uh, so I give them that and then I record it and I put it on the app, but it's available for everyone. Wow! So you're like that section, it'll be like, okay, this was developed for, let's say Ashley, but it's good for everyone. This is hip stability, you Very know? Cool. And so all of the remedial exercises are kind of available for people to try on the app and then they can like work with me on it for their specific bodies. Very cool.
0: Yeah, no, I feel like um, actually, uh, ironically, the episode that will go out right before this one, uh, I interviewed a woman that has a blog about apps for uh, equestrians. And so it's great that like you have created this app and created this. I'll have to connect you guys so that you can talk to her as well about, you yeah, know, getting your- I would love that
1: because there's so many great resources online now for people. It's a bit of a passion of mine coming from the West where we had no good coaching and I had to move my whole life. Yeah. If I didn't have to move my whole life, that would be quite great. You know, like if I, I want to find those people who just want to access good information wherever they're at.
0: Yeah, no. And that's like, exactly. I have clients like in, you know, the the West Coast or the Midwest that they just don't have access to the resources anymore. And you get someone that comes to you and say, the one trainer that's within an hour of my farm Does not make me feel very good? And does not make me very confident? What am I supposed to do? Because I want to do this thing. And for some people, uprooting their whole life isn't possible. And so having these apps, having these resources to really round out the training side, the physical side, you know, there's mindset Mm -hmm. apps out there, everything coming together so that we can create equestrians that have the knowledge, that have the information and can really like own all of those aspects of the sport. Yeah. No kidding. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we're rounding uh, down on our list of questions here, but definitely wanted to make sure we hit up our very popular books, books, books segment. Um, And so with our guest episodes, what I'm doing is I'm asking, what is one book that you are currently reading and one book that you feel like shaped your view of the world? Um.
1: I think I'll do. Hmm. I really love the owners of the company called first form. Okay. So Andy and Emily for and Emily for in particular uh, is written a book called relationships first people, passion, profit. Okay. And that probably is my favorite book. I've read it three times. Awesome. And <laughs> it's, it's very simple and they're business owners uh, for supplement company called first form. Lots of people know about it. It's a huge company, but they started from like sleeping on a mattress in the back of the shop kind of people. Yep. They're so giving. And I just really love the company. And then Emily in particular, because Andy Frisella is a lot like me in my opinion. And so Emily, like whenever I meet someone who's like me, I'm always interested in their spouse to see like who, what kind of people should I have around me? Yep. And so she like just reading her book really changed my life. It brought me a lot of hope and it brought me a lot of clarity. It's an easy read and I love it. Yep. And equally, I would say like the one I'm reading now is um, The Power of One More. Okay. By Ed and so he is a he's a sports performance coach mm-hmm. and he's got like he's very very successful and the power of one more is is kind of like its title it's always about doing one more so he goes through kind of each of his athletes and each of the the sections of your person you know like all of the kind of things that build a person and how you would
0: do one more and what value it has. Very cool. I've I haven't heard of either. I feel like I've heard of first form before. That sounds very familiar to me, but those books are uh haven't been on my bookshelf, so I'll have to check them out for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean I have I I read every day, so I have a lot of books, but yeah. those ones if I had to like really break them down into just what you asked, those ones really changed my view in a in a positive way like i you know i like reading and then feeling like a hope that yep. comes along with me so those ones were definitely those kind of books
0: yeah i love that i love that um out of curiosity like for some of the stuff that we talked about uh with your body keeping like different emotions in different places have you ever read the body keeps the score no Okay, that's that's one that I'm going to recommend to you. I cannot even pronounce the the author's name because it's like ridiculously like I it, I don't think people that can pronounce things can pronounce it, but it's very hard. But it's called The Body Keeps the Score and it's all about how uh the trauma is so present in our society and how we physically hold trauma in our body and in certain places of our body and stuff oh, like that. So I'm not the only one.
1: <laughs> yes,
0: there, there's a whole body of research along with that. So uh I think that would be really interesting for you. And then um, are you familiar with the becoming a supple leopard with Kelly Storett? Or yes, yeah, yeah, I feel like he he resonates with a lot of what you spoke with too they uh they just wrote another book which I haven't picked up yet um him and his wife did like a more hey these are the 10 simple things that you can do to just be healthy for the average person and they talk so much about walking and drinking water so I feel like I was just like that those were really clicking in my mind of you know just resources and books and things like that yeah little story about walking that
1: I like to tell people to encourage them uh I did 75 hard which is a, a program from first form and a part of that is that you know you doing an outdoor workout every day so I walked every day yep it took it's supposed to take you 75 days but I failed so many times that it took me 144 days okay and so I walked every day for 144 days and then I just kept going so I walked every day for 400 days Wow. And uh, just rain, shine, Canada, Florida, walked every day for 45 minutes. And then I never ran. I never, you know, I did other workouts, but I just walked. And then uh, sometime around the 400 and something mark, I entered one of those obstacle course races. Yep. And I just was like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to do my best. Like, it's just for fun. And I ran you know, uh it was uh seven miles with obstacle courses. And I won out of five hundred people holy crap so badly that it was like I run I went so fast. I almost was grouped in like I could have been running with the pros, but I was just in open because I just had never done it. I don't run at all. I just walk. And I ran and did all those obstacles and I was blowing past people and I wasn't tired and my cardio was good and my legs felt fine. And I just ran around and I, I did this amazing job and I won by a lot and I came back and I was like, I think it's just from the walking. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like just a little bit, but every single day makes a huge difference.
0: Yeah, no. And I I like that you said that because I feel like people like especially, you know, I'm in the CrossFit community too, right? And you tell a CrossFitter like, hey, you should walk. Oh, no, I'm gonna run with a rucksack on my back. And like, there's this cultural need for things to feel hard to, Mm -hmm. to feel the benefit from them. And so taking a 45 minute walk might not, you know, you might not feel it. You might not be breathing heavy. You might just like have a nice casual walk, stroll, but the effects that that has cardiovascularly and like health wise is insane. And people just don't realize it because they're like, oh, well, it's not, it's not as difficult as it should be. Well, it is difficult to get
1: out there every day when, you know, it's the discipline that's difficult, but the physicality doesn't give you that indication until you all of a sudden, you're
0: feeling better than ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I feel like I could talk to you for hours more. Um, is there anything else in terms of your story, your journey, or your knowledge that you wanted to share? Obviously, we'll kind of wrap it up at the end with where our listeners can find you, but anything else that you wanted to get across on this podcast, or uh, maybe some actionable advice that our listeners could put uh, into, to shape right away. Yes. I would love, I would love to give some advice.
1: Yes. Um, so first off, what I always like to communicate is it can be fixed, whatever you're thinking, it can be fixed. We can get it better than ever. It doesn't matter how bad it is. It can be fixed. So whatever, all the listeners are thinking, oh my gosh, but I've had this knee pain for 25 years. We can get through that and I I can help you. Everything can be made better. And so once you're in that state, then we can go forward to the what. And if you want a few what's, we've already gone over water and walking, but here's the thing. Pick a discipline that you're going to start doing. And that's the biggest thing. Like I can give you all, it's not for lack of information that we do things for our body. It's usually for lack of, um, you know, like discipline or, or, uh, accountability. And so that's kind of what I'm there for too. And then I'm going to help your body along. So like for me, I'm, I'm kind of hiking with the people as they're on their own journey Yeah. and, uh, so water and walking is always my first indication and then what are you doing for movement before you get on the horse? I would encourage people to go to my I have a standing warm up video and it just kind of goes through like the whole body from bottom to top. You don't need to get in the dirt you don't need to let you can do it in your show clothes. I actually have another video also that's like on a stretch on a Stanley bin in your show clothes before you get on. But what can you do to move before you get on to give your horse the best version of your body? And does that matter to
0: you? And if it does, then you're in the right place. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. I love that. I'm definitely gonna have to get that uh information about uh outstanding equestrian from you too to get to my clients because I I I have a stupid uh video that I use on YouTube that's like progressive muscle la- muscle relaxation in a chair. And I'm like, this is the closest I can get to like being adapted to a rider, and I always prescribe uh, something like that to, as part of a pre-performance routine, because you have to get your physical body in shape to get your mind in the right place. And so I love that you have those resources. Um, and I can't wait to start to share them. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, um, where can our listeners learn more about you? Uh, websites, social media, any, any places that we can direct them? Yeah. I'm most active on
1: Instagram and it's at Davina venting. Um, just all one word. And Davina is D-A-V-I-N-A, mm-hmm. Eventing the Sport. And then the app is the theoutstandingequestrian.passion.io. And you can get the app like on, you know, Apple and and uh, Google app- apps or whatever. Yep. Um, you can download it and then it would keep you logged in. But you can also use a web browser and it becomes a web app just on your browser with Chrome or Safari, whatever you're using.
0: Very cool. Yeah. And I'll make sure I link those all in the show notes as well. So people can have direct access to them. Um, Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. I feel like I got a lot out of it too. Um, and I'm really excited to um, stay in touch to see your journey in the future, what it holds for you. Yeah, actually, I'm really glad for meeting you. I'd love to
1: chat more about it.
0: Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for listening. And in the meantime, enjoy the ride.